sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. two-hour extravaganza on this Monday, January 18th, Martin Luther King Day. Scott Wetzel sitting in as we always do, taking you right up until 7 a.m. Eastern Time, Monday through Friday, 8 to 10 a.m. on Sundays as we cover the world of sports in a little bit more. A lot of NFL action over the weekend. We'll get back into that. We'll update the poll question. Uh, we got some head coaching news, a little NBA news as well. We got our opposite picks coming up. Uh, another spectacular weekend, by the way, of opposite picks. Cha-ching, cha-ching. Uh, when we last left you, uh, we had given you a four-pack on Friday. And uh, lo and behold, we go four and two. Not bad. Uh, we gave you the Browns plus 10 as the opposite pick against Kansas City, as I did like KC. Uh, that was a winner. Gave you Buffalo laying two and a half against Baltimore, as I love the Ravens. Uh, that was a winner. Did give you the Rams plus six and a half, a loser. Gave you the Maz plus six, winner against Milwaukee. They didn't win the game, but they covered, which is all we care about. Uh, gave you the Queens against the Clippers. Uh, they lost getting six and a half. And then we gave you the over 203 Cleveland and New York. That was a winner. So four and two. Our opposite picks record, we've been doing this now for, uh, what, six days. We are now, believe it or not, 27 and 10. 27 and 10 against the spread going opposite. Let me let me hear of some Scandy capper who's got a better record than that. Forget about paying hundreds. Forget about paying thousands. Forget about paying millions, unless you're paying me, uh, for picks. Go opposite. 27 and 10. Let me see someone have a better documented record. And by the way, if you don't put your record down in your picks, don't trust anybody. Don't trust anybody who doesn't do that. We put it out there. We do it on the air. I post it on the website in case you miss it. It's always there. And uh, 27 and 10. Cha-ching, cha-ching. So, and I'm really not that proud of it because that really means I'm 10 and 27. And that's what it really means. You know, because I am giving you the teams I really like. And then the opposite ones are the 27 and 10. It's the real ones that are 10 and 27. So there's really nothing to be proud of personally. It's just a philosophy thing that I like that I'm proud of. So we have a six pack coming up uh, a little bit later on. We got some NBA plays in there. Got a monster hockey game later on. There's a couple of college basketball games uh, as well. There's one line this after or today. Uh, I don't think that one's an afternoon game. There are a bunch of afternoon NBA games and a bunch of NBA or uh, college basketball afternoon games on this Martin Luther King Day. But the one I like tonight is, is uh, at night, although there is another one that's in the afternoon. But there's a crazy, crazy, crazy line on one of these college basketball games that we're going to use. Football yesterday, so we're all set. We got Tampa Bay and Green Bay, Battle of the Bays, in the NFC Championship. And then you got Kansas City and Buffalo. Uh, you know, great storylines both ways. Tampa Bay, obviously, with Tom Brady. Aaron Rodgers, first NFC Championship game. Packers, three-and-a-half-point favorites on FanDuel, over-under 51. I don't think I'll disagree with our update guy. I, I don't think these lines will change that much, especially not dramatically. Uh, you you might get Tampa Bay to drop down to three, maybe go up to four, but it, it is rare 
when you get a line in that three, three and a half, four to move that much because those are magic numbers in the world of Vegas and FanDuel. It takes a lot of money for a game to fall off that three because, you know, most games end in three, at least the perception is. Uh, same thing with three and a half and four. You know, that that's that's in that, you know, area of field goal game, seven, three, 14, 10, 24, 20. So it takes a lot more money to move off that than it does anywhere else. Uh, opposite picks on this uh, Monday morning. Here's true. Scott Wetzel sitting in again, taking you right up until 7 a.m. Eastern time. So Green Bay laying three and a half as we break down the NFL over Tampa Bay at 51. Kansas City's laying three against Buffalo. Again, uh, same thing. You know, it, it's tough for a game to move off three. Although I say that, and New Orleans was a three-point favorite yesterday and really for the entire week, and that fell to two and a half. <clears throat> so you never know. But I don't think dramatically, no, th- these lines are not moving. The only thing that would move that line is if we find out Mahomes can't go. And this would be the NFL's worst nightmare, right? Um, I don't care how good his story Bill's Mafia is and the Bill's fan base, and they did a funny thing yesterday, as it turned out a good thing, with Lamar Jackson and the charity, which I'll get here to a second. Um, you know, it, it's been, been forever since they've been to a Super Bowl. They haven't won one, four losses in a row. We, we get all that. But they're not really a national team. They're, they're more a national team because of Jim Kelly and the reputation the Bills have of losing in the Super Bowl versus Josh Allen and the success they've had. You know, you're not watching a Buffalo game. You know, if you're a casual sports fan, which is what they're going after right now, you're not tuning in to watch Buffalo because you think Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs are the greatest things in the world. You're tuning into Buffalo because you say, man, Andre Reid and uh, and Jim Kelly, you know, Thurman Thomas, yeah, yeah, I want to see Buffalo win or I want to see Buffalo lose. That That's what, you know, is bringing the fans to the table from that side of it. So if you're the NFL, you could obviously live with Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay. You could obviously live with, you know, Tom Brady. If you really put a gun to their head, which is an expression we probably shouldn't use in 2021, if you really said, uh, I think CBS is doing the game, right? I think it's CBS, whoever's doing it. Okay, TV network exec, you choose. No, it doesn't matter. No, 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 you choose. Well, it really doesn't. You tell me, Tampa Bay Brady, Rogers Green Bay, you tell me. I think they would lean towards Tampa Bay and Brady. I think he still brings more to the table. They could live, though, with Aaron Rodgers. It's Kansas City who they really want in there. They, they, versus not wanting Buffalo. That, that's the big spread. That's where they want to go. All right, the opposite picks just getting started. Hour number two. We'll check out the NFL game, some coaching highlights as well. Well, that's coming up next right here, Sirius XM Channel 204. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. This is it for Drew Brees. Maybe one last look to the family suite. Blowing a few kisses and on his way out, one more look back as it's been a beautiful marriage to this coach. Sean, if this is the end of the uh, Drew Brees and Sean Payton era together, how do you encapsulate what he's meant to you? Oh, listen, I think that's probably for another press conference. Um, and I, I can't speak for Drew. Obviously, uh, 
Yeah, I would take up all of my time on your question tonight. And, and I think that, uh, I do think it's for uh, another press conference. And um, obviously he's uh, been tremendous uh, for this team, the city, I could go on and on, but uh, let's wait and uh, answer that at the right time. All right, there you go. A little bit from uh, Sean Payton. Yeah, he gets for Sean, you know, and I'm not a big fan of his. But, uh, you know, it, they just lost. You know, they, they lost at home. They failed again. And I know everyone wants to go all goody, goody, you know, Google eyes over uh, Drew Brees. But, you know, he just played the, one of the worst games of his career. You know, they, they got their butts kicked. They, they blew a lead. They had a game that was in hand, and they blew it. And you want to sit there and have me wax poetic justice about Drew Brees. I mean, you know, it's just... I know you got to ask it. You, you do. But, you know, I, I credit Peyton for, you know, handling it well. Just, you know, let me be disappointed first before I start acknowledging my love affair for, for Drew Brees. Can I at least have, you know, 15 minutes of being pissed off here? Uh, is that possible before we, we break down Drew Brees' career and all that other stuff? So, listen, Brees, you know, was one of the main reasons why they lost. That Him or the wide receiver, they all played a role in it, obviously. You know, some of those interceptions, you wonder if it was really on Breeze or it was the wide receivers and tight ends not running the right routes. Uh, you got Jared Cook that fumbled the football, you know, leading it 20 to 13, driving right around midfield, seemingly, you know, putting their stamp on this game to go up two scores, and he fumbles the football. Now, this, this is a rule, though. You know, forget about that instant replay stuff on the first helmet-to-helmet game. Um, this is a rule the NFL is going to have to look at in that, you have guys now punching at the ball. That's why Jared Cook fumbled the ball yesterday. He wasn't hit, you know, from a defensive back or linebacker and the ball popped free. No, these guys have mastered the art of punching at the ball and the ball coming up free. Why do they have to look at that? Because eventually you're going to get a defensive back or a linebacker that's going to punch at the ball and miss the ball. So... Well, he's going to miss the ball, but he's going to hit the person. He's going to punch the person, and the person's going to be pissed off, and the person's then going to punch that the other guy, and then we're going to have a all-out brawl because you're throwing a punch at me. I've seen this happen. You know, I haven't seen the brawls, but I've seen guys take swings and miss, not necessarily hit the guy, but I've, I've seen some guys take some wild swings at trying to punch the ball free and miss, and it's just like, holy crow. I mean, you know, that's as good as taking a swing at someone and hitting them in their face, except you just happen to miss. It's still a punch. You're still punching at the guy. You know, you may be aiming for the ball, but you're still swinging a punch. You swing a punch at anybody else, that's a 15-yard penalty. And if you connect, that's an ejection. I mean, I I think that's one rule the NFL is going to have to look. I don't know how you can mandate that. You know, you'd have to use conjecture on whether he's swinging and really throwing a punch. But, I, you know, I guess the, the main thing would be if you got a closed fist. It's as simple as that. If you take a swing at a ball and your hand is open, okay, I know what you're trying to do. But if you take a swing at a ball with a closed fist, you're swinging at the guy. So I don't, I don't like that. I, I, I don't think that's fair, you know. Um, it kind of balances itself out in that, you know, the offensive player can basically grab the defensive player uh, with his face mask and give him a stiff arm. God forbid the defensive player should ever do that. You know, the poor defensive player's got to ward off this hand in his face. Um, and that's not fair either. But then on the other hand, you get the defensive guy that can throw punches to try and knock the ball free. So I don't think that's fair. 
So I, I suppose it evens itself out. But uh, yeah, yeah, I give Creighton uh, credit to Peyton for just you know saying relax, you know, and let me let me be upset about not losing here before we talk about uh, Drew Brees. Let Brees announce his retirement before we get into all that stuff. And, and when he does, and I imagine it'll come within the next week or so. Uh, yeah, maybe he'll take a day, two days, three days. Maybe it'll take a week. Maybe it'll take a month. You know, Philip Rivers, uh, you know, was told by the Colts this weekend, you know, take a month, figure out what you really want to do. If you want to come back, great. Um, you know, I think they legitimately want Rivers to come back. I don't know about the Saints. I don't know if you if you take Sean Payton behind closed doors and say, all right, just between you and me, do you really want Drew Brees to come back again? Or are you ready to turn the page? Whether it's with Winston, whether it's with Taysom Hill, well, you know, I, I wonder what he would really say. You know, just like with CBS with the Super Bowl. You know, give me a team, Tampa Bay, Green Bay. You give me, it's up to you, Sean. Uh, I come back or I don't come back. Completely up to you. And take the friendship and the bonding and all the things you've meant to the franchise. Throw that all out the window. Do you want him to come back or not? I, I got a feeling he'd say no. They got to figure out what they're going to do with Winston. You know, the salary cap this year is going to drop supposedly a good 15, 20. They're even talking about $25 million maybe. It's tough to pay backup quarterbacks decent money when you have that limited space. That's a big drop. So, you know, Breeze is going to make 20-plus million. Taysom Hill is making uh, about $10 million. And then you got to pay Winston a couple of million dollars. I don't know if they can afford to keep all three of those quarterbacks. So, you know, Winston would be the odd man out since he's uh, going to be an unrestricted free agent. And I, I think he's going to get a chance somewhere along the line. So uh, I would not be surprised if, if uh, Sean just said, all right, Drew, uh, it's been nice. It's been real. We haven't gotten it done, so we're not going to get it done. What makes you think they're going to get it done, you know, at this point? They haven't gotten it done over the last uh, three years. Three straight. Th think about this. Three straight home losses for the Saints in the postseason. That's tough. You lose in the postseason, tough enough. You lose at home in the postseason, albeit this year with no fans. That's a tough pill to swallow. You know, toughest pills to swallow this weekend. Got to be New Orleans number one. You know, we, we broke it down on Friday. I thought that was the team that had the most pressure. I, I, I thought, uh, you know, a couple of these other teams were playing with house money this weekend. But I, I told you on Friday, it's been a Super Bowl win, not even appearance, Super Bowl win or bust for the Saints. It's as simple as that. And they didn't even get to the Super Bowl. They didn't even get to the NFC Championship game this year. So they, you know, the fan base, that's got to be the toughest. Cleveland would be next in line because they had an opportunity. Even though they were playing with house money, they had an opportunity to win that football game. They they did. And, and with no Mahomes, and, and I know people would have said, well, it shouldn't count. You weren't playing against Mahomes. Who cares? You know, if you're a Browns fan, I don't care if I'm playing against Topeka High. If I'm going to the AFC Championship game, I'm going. You can worry about all that other nonsense for other people. I'm, I'm thrilled to be going. So they had an opportunity there. Get a couple of first downs. You know, it was up to boy wonder Baker Mayfield, and Baker Mayfield failed miserably. Simple as that. So they have to be next in line. I would say Buffalo or uh, Baltimore fans would be third because, you know, maybe they could rest a little easier saying to themselves, well, you know what, Lamar Jackson got hurt, so we really didn't have a fair crack at it. Uh, you and I both know, though, they, they weren't winning that football game. You know, that interception pick six, boy, that was that, that was the dagger. It was 17-3. They were going to be pinned deep inside their own territory at the three-yard line. They, they weren't. They weren't winning that game. They weren't. 
but at least he got one win this postseason, so it's not too, too bad. And then I think the Rams are probably last on the list as far as, you know, not being able to sleep at night. Um, that was going to be a tough spot for them. They, they didn't have a good year this year. Jared Goff, not very good. Even the head coach, you know, boy wonder Sean McVay, when asked about Goff's status for next season, said he's our quarterback right now. Said that on Friday or Saturday after the game. That, that's pretty damning. When you say, yeah, he's our quarterback right now. Then on Sunday, when asked again, he said uh, everything's being evaluated. I'm not ready to make any sort of statements with regards to anybody. Starting position or not, we're going to have to have a level of competition at everything that we do. I.e., he's not too thrilled about Jared Goff. But I will tell you, Jared Goff has four years of his $110 million guaranteed contract left. Uh, he's not going anywhere. I don't. I don't think anyone would take him off their hands. So, like him or not, Jared Goff is going to be your Rams quarterback for at least the next couple of years. An opposite mix on this Monday morning with yours truly, Scott Wetzel, Sirius XM SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. You're trying to get this first down, Jim. He's hitting in trouble. Trying to run for it. Running. He's going to die. championship game putting your body on the line i think he's gonna get it that's what patrick mahomes does nobody runs more on third and long than mahomes he steals the same yeah. job that patrick does puts his head down knowing where the first down is oh yeah cbs with the call there you know it's interesting that wasn't the call and that you know, they must have spliced that together. I don't know where you got that highlight from, Chris, but I'm glad you played that though because I, I did want you know a little rundown here of the, some of the TV stuff. I, I told you before, I don't think Nance likes Romo, and I don't think Romo respects Nance, and I and I do mean that. To, I, I don't think Romo doesn't like Nance. I don't. I think Romo, as the football player. Former All-Pro, you know, former, you know, borderline Hall of Famer. I don't think he's getting it, and he wouldn't in my book. But, you know, an accomplished, we'll say, NFL player. And we all know, you know, the players generally had despised the media for the most part, right? I think there's a little bit of that. And there always has been with Romo that, I, hey, listen, you know, the moment, the moment he got on, Scott Wetzel sitting and taking you right up until 7 a.m. Eastern time. Opposite picks coming up here, Sirius XM Channel 204. Um, the moment Romo put a headphone on, and start talking into the mic, you could feel and sense and hear his disregard is the best way of putting it, perhaps, 
for Nance and the media. It's like he was talking down to him, right? Right away, like, you're a nobody. I'm, I'm Tony Romo. And people got a kick out of that because it was Romo's first year, you know, calling out plays and everything else. So fine, whatever. But that never really went away. When you listen to their broadcasts, when you watch one of their games, it is always Romo talking down to Nance. And I think that at this point, Nance has kind of like been disgusted with it. So yesterday, to make a long story short, on that third and 14 play, with Chad Henney. He scrambles, looks like he gains a first down. And Romo jumps in and says, oh, what a great play, what a great run. He gets the first down, and Kansas City's going to win. Unbelievable, right? As it turns out, he's a half a yard shy. But doing some play-by-play, I know the rules. Play-by-play guy describes it. Color analyst critiques it. But Romo jumps into... Tony, uh, uh, Jim Nance's bed quite a bit. And Nance is a long timer. You know, he's been around a long time. You know, he's no novice at this. You jump into my bed. No, 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 no. That doesn't happen. I'm Jim Nance. I'm not Joe Schmo here. You know, you stay in your side of the aisle, please. So whenever Romo does that, I, I, I guarantee it irks Nance because it's not just the philosophy of it all. It's the highlights that are going to be played on all the channels and throughout the network and everything else from that point on for the rest of the week, the biggest play of the game, you know, Kansas City gets the first down. Romo pronounces that they're going to the AFC Championship game. That's not Jim Nance's voice. That's Tony Romo's voice. And I'm telling you, believe me, Nance is pissed off at that, right? So as it turns out, Henny's a half a yard shy. Next play, fourth down. They make the pass. They get the first down. And then you hear Nance describe it, you know, as he should as the play-by-play guy, you know, and he throws it to uh, Tyreek Hill to get the first down, and then you hear him proclaim, and now the now the Chiefs, Chiefs are going to the AFC Championship game, almost like throwing it in Romo's face, almost like stay in your side of the aisle, my friend. Don't jump to conclusions. Don't do play-by-play. You get paid a gazillion dollars to sit there and shut up while I do the play-by-play, and you can take over when I'm done talking. That's the rule. Play-by-play talks, color analyst listens. When the play-by-play guy stops talking, that's when the color analyst jumps in. That's broadcasting 101. So if you play the original call, and I don't doubt for a second that was CBS editing that, uh, on that play, and then you listen to when they actually got the first down. I'm telling you, there's a little bit of Nance, you know, kind of shoving in Romo's face. So I, I thought that was pretty good. I, I, I did. Um, how about Phil Sims yesterday? What's up with those goofy glasses, Phil? I mean, my goodness, you make a gazillion dollars. Get contacts, brother. I mean, you know, the, the, these, I don't know when it ever got to be fashionable to look like a nerd on TV. You know, when, when did it ever become fashionable to really you know if i gave you pictures of guys in the 70s with those just dark rim glasses i mean you said nerd i mean you just and now people want to look like that i mean here's phil sims he's you know he's got these dark glasses and then i don't know what's on the side of them it's it's like flowers or something it's like on on the the, the handles it's like what is that I mean, I, I wear glasses now in the morning because it's 5 o'clock in the morning. I'm not putting my contacts in. But otherwise, you know, I put my contacts in. I mean, you're Phil Sims. Go get some contacts, right? It's almost like he wants to look like a nerd on TV. Not a good look. Some guys pull off glasses as well, you know, uh, and some girls, women do as well. But I mean, with Sims, it looked very, very weird. It, it, it really did. Um, 
How about, uh, you know, speaking of women, how about poor Michelle Tafoya? I thought this was funny Saturday night, right? Buffalo and Baltimore. She's in Baltimore, or she's in Buffalo, on the field. Gusty winds all game long, right? 30, 35 miles an hour. Uh, you get the flags that are flying in, you know, all different directions, like it's a, a tornado in Buffalo. So twice, not once, but twice, they go to her on the field. And uh, it, it was uh, Chris Collinsworth and Al Michaels. And they said, all right, Michelle, you know, how is it down here? What, what's the weather like in the, in the wind and all that other nonsense? And she said, you know, it's really not too bad. You know, they're, they're saying winds is only four miles an hour. And it's pretty good down here. Meanwhile, on camera, they're showing the flags, and they are just getting blown like it's a tornado in Buffalo. And even even Michaels and Collinsworth laugh. You can tell, you can hear them laughing like, it may be nice down in the field, but we're showing these flags that are flying like they're ready to fall off, for goodness sake. So I thought, you know, they really kind of hung her out to dry. I, I, you know, it must have not been that bad on the field, but it certainly was, you know, at the top of the stadium. But, you know, there were a couple times they did that twice where she was saying, yeah, it's not too bad out here. Meanwhile, on the camera, they're showing the flags uh, like they're ready to be ripped off uh, their holders. So uh, I thought that was kind of funny. Um, Chris Collinsworth, you know, saying that the Baltimore's offense is not set up for passing situations. What the fudge is that? What, what, what kind of offense is not set up for passing situations? What, what, what does that mean, Chris? You go ahead and say it. You know, the quarterback can't throw the football. You know, don't be afraid. You know, I know in the world of political correctness, you got to be careful about what you say about people, but just, just go ahead and say it. Lamar Jackson can't throw the ball. That, that's what you're saying. If you're saying the Ravens offense isn't really set up for third and long and passing situations, well, you're basically saying the quarterback can't throw the football, for goodness sakes. I wonder about Michael's bet on uh, Buffalo, because when Justin Turner was set to, uh, or Tucker was set to kick the, his first field goal, he did make a point of almost like trying to jinx him on purpose. I did pick that up. Take out that game, first field goal. It's like he, there's a pregnant pause before Tucker, you know, gets set to kick, and then as he starts, you know, to walk up to the football to kick it, Michael's jumps in, kind of out of the blue, like and says, "Boy, this guy never misses." And he just left it at that, too. And then, of course, he missed. Almost like he was challenging himself to jinx him. Almost like he, you know, kind of wanted him to miss. Almost like maybe he bet in Buffalo. How about Ray Liotta? We brought this up Sunday. He did the voiceover for the Bills-Baltimore game, little pregame, little hype on the Buffalo uh, fan base, which they call uh, Bills Mafia. So I understand, you know, good fellows, Ray Liotta. But, boy, did he sound awful. I know my voice can be kind of graspy here in the morning. I get it. But, boy, he, you know, unless you said that was Ray Liotta and they did, you never would have known that was him. I mean, I think a Goodfellas, great movie and everything, all the actor, all the uh, movies that he's done, I'm a big fan of his and think he does a great job. But, boy, he sounded awful. I mean, just brutal. I don't know why they, I mean, I get it. I get the tie-in with, the, with Goodfellas but, and Mafia. But, you know, when, when you had him do the voiceover, it's like, ooh. We're paying you for this, really. Hmm. Uh, good old Pam Oliver. Um, I didn't realize she was 59, but, you know, they were taking her to task on, on social media because they thought she was drunk. I, I, I very much she was drunk. She, she must have been cold in Green Bay or uh, I, I don't know what. Sometimes you take scripts away. You may find out that the teleprompter was broke. Uh, you, you take scripts away from some of these guys. I notice it on the four-letter network. You know, whenever they go to people, if there's a breaking story, and they bring on an Adam Schefter or one of the other clowns that they have, right? 
and they say, you know, well, tell me about this. And, and the guy stumbles and bumbles and, and just basically reiterates what we already know that, okay, Joe Schmo signed with the, you know, the Buffalo Bills. Uh, but they spend 30 seconds saying that. It's because they don't have their script handy. They don't have any information. And, and they sound like they're, they're idiots when they're really not. But that's what happens. I, I, I wonder if that's what happened with Pam Oliver because she was a little disjointed a couple of times. Got to love Moose Johnson. What a bozo he is. Man, is he, he's one of the dumbest analysts. I, I, I am not a big fan of his at all. He couldn't figure out why the Packers up 25-10 were going for two. And I'm, I'm thinking to myself, ever hear a two-point conversion? Yeah. Ever hear going from 15 to 17? Yeah. Well, how much is 17? Well, it's 17. Yeah, but how many scores do you need to eclipse 17 points if you're the Rams? Uh, three. Okay, if you go for one, how much is it? 16. All right, how many scores do you need now to tie 16? Uh, two. Bingo, Moose. Bingo. That's why they're going for two, because if they get the two-point conversion, they're now up 17 and, more importantly, three scores. Again, back to the scores. Forget the score. How many possessions do you need to be able to tie the game or take the lead? Three. That's why you go for two when you're up 15. Good gravy. Just simple arithmetic moves. I mean, is anybody home there? All right, Opposite Picks coming up next right here on Opposite Picks Show with your truly SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Music means time to take out your pad and pencils and get set for the fastest and more importantly, most profitable five minutes in radio, Opposite Picks. What are Opposite Picks, you newbies ask? Well, we give you five games, sometimes six, sometimes seven. Give you 7,000 reasons why we like one team, and then we go opposite. Why? Because despite all the stats, trends, hunches, injury reports, weather reports, and everything else, nobody but nobody beats the boys in Vegas or FanDuel. And we proved it again over the weekend going 4-2, bringing our overall mark to 27 winners and only 10 losers. Remarkable. Here we go. We got six-pack for you today. Pick number one, NBA. Little afternoon action on this Martin Luther King Day. Uh, Orlando laying a point and a half at New York against the Knicks. Knicks played one of their best games of the season. In fact, they did. It was by far a 30-point win at Boston yesterday. Yeah, you heard that right. Knicks won by 30 at Boston. No way, though, can they duplicate that type of effort today on a quick turnaround. Boys in Vegas are begging to take the Knicks today, and I'm not falling for it. New York has still lost five of six. This is their third game in four days. Magic have lost five in a row. I get that, but that tells you something that the Magic, despite that five-game losing streak, are still a rogue favorite. I mean, they I, now I love, love, love Orlando to today to get the win. Give me the Knicks plus the point and a half. Pick number two, Milwaukee Lane two at Brooklyn. These teams met last year in the bubble. Remember, Nets were a 21-point underdog. They won outright. That still resonates with this Bucks club a season later. No way did they forget about that. 
I know James Harden played well in his Nets debut the other night, but that won't last long. In fact, it'll end right here. There's a reason why Milwaukee is a road favorite. I think the Bucks roll Brooklyn today. Give me Brooklyn plus the two. Pick number three, Portland plus two versus San Antonio. I don't get this line at all. I mean, the boys in Vegas is dyslexia's kicking in again. They, they got it backwards. Tampa Bay's won five of six, and they're getting points at home against mediocre San Antonio. I know C.J. McCollum is out, but Damian Lillard is playing, and that's all I care about. Both teams off yesterday. Portland's the home team. They're tough at home. Man, I love Portland getting two points against San Antonio. Give me San Antonio minus the two. <clears throat> Pick number four. We'll go to the college basketball scene where Kansas is getting nine at Baylor. Kansas getting nine? Are you kidding me? Kansas in college basketball? Not college football now. Kansas in college basketball getting nine? When's the last time that's ever happened? Not in my lifetime, I'll tell you that. Kansas has beaten Baylor eight of their last ten meetings, and now you're giving me nine points? Baylor's won seven straight home games, though, Scott, you say. But you know what? Their last loss to Kansas. And now you're giving me nine points? I love Kansas tonight. Give me Baylor minus the nine. <clears throat> Pick number five this afternoon, UNC Wilmington Lane 2 at Townsend. Townsend stinks. What the hell is a Townsend anyway, Scott? I don't know. They're in Maryland. I know one thing. They have one win, and all their losses have been by nine points or more. They stink. No fans, no hope, no energy, no anything. Meanwhile, UNC Wilmington, not that bad. Six and three, including three straight wins. And now we're only going to lay two in an empty arena? Oh, I love UNC Wilmington. Give me Towson plus the two. Pick number six, we're going to go to the ice. St. Louis laying a buck 80 at San Jose. Uh, actually, it's a home game. Uh, that's a big number, I know. But the Blues got buried 8 to nothing their last game against Colorado Friday night. 8 nothing. One of their best players, their captain, Ryan O'Reilly, called them out for their embarrassing effort. His words. He ripped the club as being pathetic, he said. That doesn't happen to a good club without uh, responding next time out. I mean, they're going to come out flying. And I mean flying tonight against San Jose. You don't lose 8-0 if you're a good team like St. Louis without responding the next time out. You'd have to be the biggest bird brain, butthead, meathead, mutton mouth, moron, crook, crony, idiot, dope, dunce, dork, fool, jackass in the world to go against the Blues today. Give me San Jose plus the 160. Our opposite picks six-pack for this Monday, Martin Luther King Day. We'll start in the NBA where we have the Knicks plus one and a half. We'll take Brooklyn plus two, San Antonio laying two, Baylor minus nine, Towson plus two. And it uh, pains me to say it, but give me San Jose on the ice plus 160 at St. Louis. Opposite picks for this January 18th. All right, there you go. All set. And again, if you missed that stuff, uh, I always post them on the website, generally right after the show, but uh, sometimes in the afternoon. But it will be there on the front page, oppositepicks.com. So hopefully we'll uh, give you a fistful of winners today. Four and two. We'll take four and two from here on out. Absolutely. I do got to lay some odds. And I generally don't do that because it screws up the record. But uh, I, I will with St. Louis just because, again, I, I expect a monster, monster effort out of them. 
after playing as poorly as they did uh, the other night against uh, Colorado. So, like I said, you don't lose 8 nothing without responding. All right, some other football news around the uh, the NFL world. NFL Network reporting that the Chargers will hire Rams defensive coordinator Brandon Staley as their new head coach. But I tell you what, these head coaches are getting younger and younger. Um, listen, I don't know from anything about Brandon Staley. He's 38 years old, though. Um, Four years ago, he joined the Bears. Then he moved to Denver this past season with the Rams. Ran defense was pretty good. But I, I told you this. I'm not concerned necessarily about how good a defense or offense plays. I'm more concerned when I hire a guy. I want to make damn sure he can run a franchise. You know, you're talking about a multi-billion dollar franchise. Whether it's the Chargers or the Rams or the Bungles or whoever. I don't care about X's and O's. He, he can be the worst X's and O's guy in the world. He's not going to be running the defense. You know, he may be overseeing it. He may have an input in it, no doubt. But, you know, my head coach in 2021 doesn't do that stuff anymore. This is not 1970, 80, or even 1990. These guys hire coordinators. The coordinators run the show, whether it's on offense or defense. Again, head coach is going to have some input. Don't get me wrong. But that head coach, you give me a head coach who I think the team is going to follow, believe in, um, a guy who can, you know, run the show, guy who can be the face of the franchise, guy who can deal with the media, deal with all the headaches that are involved in being as a head coach in, in the NFL. That's the stuff I look for. Now, maybe this guy excels at that. Uh, I don't know. You know, at 38 years old, you got to give him credit for being, a, you know, an NFL defensive coordinator, even at 38. I mean, the, the list of, you know, coaches that are around the nation that are no doubt saying to themselves, man, well, at 38, well, I've been I've been at the peak of high for the last 10 years. How's this guy, you know, he's younger than me and he's in the NFL. I mean, how's that possible, right? So um, I, I'm sure the, the list is as long as a mile long. So you got to give him credit for being a defensive coordinator, and hopefully that, you know, translates into him being a good head coach. But it is a little strange. And i tell you what's strange about it also is, you know, again, I know I just got through saying you hire, co- or you hire coordinators, but, you know, you think of the Chargers, who do you think of? Justin Herbert. He's the quarterback. He's offense. So you would think that they would have hired an offensive guy as head coach. You know, again, maybe not. You know, maybe bring in an offensive guru. But, you know, when you're a 38-year-old nobody, it's kind of tough to bring in an offensive guy that's got a little, you know, credibility. I mean, who wants to work for a 38-year-old when you're – Norv Turner or, you know, pick another offensive coordinator out there. You might find somebody, but it is a little a little weird that, you know, you, you figure you're going to win on offense with Herbert, and yet you're going to hire a defensive guy as your head coach. Uh, Detroit, meanwhile, is expected to hire Saints assistant head coach, tight ends guy Dan Campbell. Remember him, Dolphin fans? He was the interim head guy uh, when uh, Jerry Philbin got fired, went 5-7 and seven as Dolphins head coach. Players liked him a lot. He's a former Lions uh, player, t- a tight end, spent three years with the Lions, nothing great. Um, you know, it's still the stumbling, bumbling. Lo- what is it about the state of, of Michigan that you guys feel compelled to hire Michigan men? I don't doubt for a second the fact that he was a Lions player at some point during his you know career that he got this job. Just like when you hear in Michigan, you know, you fire Harbaugh, not that they're going to, but, you know, it's got to be a Michigan man. Got to be a Michigan man. I, you know, 
I, I, you know, who cares where he's from? Well, what's the, you know, are they going to be any more successful because this guy wore a Lions uniform for three years? Is he going to be able to recruit any kind of big time free agents to Detroit because he was a Lions player? I mean, I kind of doubt it. It's not like you're bringing in championship players from years past. It's not like if you bring in a former Patriot, uh, you know, to, the, to come in or former Green Bay Packer or a former Pittsburgh Steeler for, you know, teams that had successful players. Okay, I get it, but. You're bringing in failures as, as players. I mean, I, so hopefully for them, but I got to tell you, this doesn't look like anything great. This looks like the stumbling, bumbling Lions all over again, to tell you the truth. This looked like, like the Lions will be looking for another head coach, you know, in, in three years from now. And now you're down to two. The Eagles and uh, Houston Texans. Doesn't look like Eric Bieniemy is going to get a job again. It's amazing. Um, you know, you've had teams wait, and if you really love this guy, you know, you may have to wait until the Super Bowl. I get that, but, you know, that's okay. You know, it's not the end of the world. Um, you know, I'd rather have the guy be successful and work uh, on championship teams and work with championship players for another year to be able to bring that guy in. You know, Kansas City wins another Super Bowl, and I bring in a, a head coach who was a coordinator on back-to-back Super Bowl teams. Boy, you talk about having instant, instant credibility in that locker room. I mean, I, I would say, you know what, Eric, you're my guy. and Go ahead, do everything you possibly need to do to, to win a Super Bowl. Absolutely. I'd rather have you go in that locker room and say, I'm a two-time Super Bowl champ, so it's my way or the highway. So, But he doesn't, you know, I haven't heard his name really been brought up with the Eagles that much. Houston a little bit now of late, but... Um, it appears to be another year where the enemy's not going to get a job. Something's got to be wrong. <clears throat> I mentioned this before. Some, I don't know what it is. Um, it's, and it's not the color of his skin. I don't believe that. There's got to be. He's either not really looking. He's being picky. He's not going the interview process the right way. Maybe he's distracted. You know, maybe these owners and GMs, you know, want him to to know the teams that he's interviewing with, you know, breaking down every single position. And you can't blame the poor guy for not being able to do that with all these head coaching jobs that are open. And, oh, by the way, preparing for his own team's, you know, uh, play the following weekend. So he's in a tough spot. He, he really is. But unless something crazy, you know, happens with these two teams, <clears throat> it's going to be another uh, another year where he doesn't get a job. Very strange. You think somebody would give him a crack? I mean, you really would with the success he's had in Kansas City. Remarkable. Uh, more grumblings out of Houston about the Sean Watson. Um, we've had Sports Illustrated now this weekend. <clears throat> we've had other networks all kind of say the same thing that Watson wants out. And, and uh, Chris Mortensen said that Watson wants to be traded to the Miami Dolphins. How great would that be? You know, it's back up again. You know, the pendulum has swung back into Dolphins' favor. It swung in their favor early last week. Then it swung against them as the Dolphins came out and, you know, said that two was their guy. And so I gave up hope. And now this report again. I, I mean, if Sean Watson really says, I want to be traded to Miami, Miami's got to do everything possible to make that deal happen. Everything possible. All right, we'll take a break, close up shop with some uh, final thoughts on some stories that we didn't have time to delve into, and uh, we'll update our full question as well. It's Monday, January 8th. I'm a fool. 
SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Final four is set in the NFL. Who's winning the Super Bowl? You know, pretty easy you know, popcorn uh, radio poll question, as we like to do from time to time with these poll questions. Green Bay is taking the lead. Uh, Packers getting uh, nearly 44% of the vote, uh, 43.4 to be exact. Uh, Brady's boys, the Bucks, 23% of the vote. Uh, the Flubbelow Bills, uh, just under 22% of the vote. And uh, surprisingly enough, Kansas City, only 12%. I guess that's uh, people thinking that uh, Pat Mahomes is not going to be able to play next weekend. Uh, I imagine so. Otherwise, I would have thought uh, Green Bay or, you know, or, or Kansas City would have been uh, the, the favorite, to tell you the truth. So I'm a little surprised at that. But that'll be up there all day long. So uh, get the opposite picks, uh, get your vote in, and we'll update that uh, a couple of times tomorrow before we uh, do our new poll. Uh, a couple of things on the, on the YouTube chat today I, I wanted to get to. One with, um, you know, Mahomes getting hurt. You, you know what? I, I wanted to bring this up with uh, with Andy Reid as much as we're praising him this weekend for being so aggressive and going forward, this, that, and what have you. I must say, running the football on that play that Mahomes got hurt on fourth and one. You know, instead of just doing a quarterback sneak, he rolls him out. He already was playing with a bum leg. He, he hurt his toe. You could see him limping severely. That was very bad. That, 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 that did not make any sense whatsoever. I mean, it was noticeable how, you know, injured he was before the actual, you know, concussion injury. Also, the Browns going for one when it was 17-9 early in the third. I generally don't like chasing points, but that was one time where, uh, you know, the listener is right. They probably should have gone for two to make it a one-score game, e- even early in the third. You just never know. Uh, Falcons set to hire Terry Fontenot as their new GM. Sarah Fuller among those being invited to the inauguration party on Wednesday. Oh, brother. Ah, don't get me started. Unfortunately, we're out of time. Otherwise, I'd let you know how I feel about that. Good job by all the phone callers, emailers, and tweeters. We'll do it again tomorrow right here. Opposite picks on Sirius XM Channel 204. Be safe, people. We're the... Look, you have a simple choice. Keep listening and get the winning edge. Or don't. And wish you.